Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. My name is Joshua David Stein. So I'm uh, sitting here with Krishna Antavolu. Hello. Hey. Yeah. We got it. Nailed it. I'm going to jump right into it. Krishna knows a ton about weed. I know nothing about weed. This episode is about weed. We're going to talk to Krishna, who is the host of Viceland's Weedicate, literally the preeminent show about weed. And we're also going to give a call to David Downs, who is the California editor of Leafly. He is a cannabis journalist. You got to always be on call, even if there's cannabis use in your life. I'm curious about how to incorporate it into my life as a dad, whether mm-hmm. I'm doing the right thing, how to talk to them about it. Also, the idea that weed was such an act of rebellion as a kid. And think about it. In 10 years, when your kid's 14 and mine's, you know, whatever, 15, 16, It'll probably be adult use, recreation, and normal legal. Yeah, it won't be at all what it was like for us growing Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about what that's going to look like. Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. When you were growing up and you smoked, what was your relationship to weed like? It was bad. Like, you know, I was taught that weed was bad and that when you smoke it, you are doing something bad to your brain. You're wasting your time. And, you know, you're just kind of associating with those who you shouldn't. Yes. Just by nature of the the chemical. And, my you know, my parents are Hindu, very traditional from India. Um, And so it was really... more than just being weed, it represented kind of the depravity of Western culture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. And so... Our how t- did they feel when you became a cannabis journalist? Well, and this is sort of how the show started. I, like, I call my mom. I'm pretty stoned in a weed-growing facility. And I call my mom and I tell her, I've got a new show and it's about weed. And I, th- and I was really nervous doing this. And this, I, this was like... Not this was like the creative director of the channel at the time, Spike Jones's idea. No big I'm deal. sorry, yeah, no I, big deal. But it Just was really a big deal. It was it's super a, fun I, working with him on the show. But what I mean to say is, like, the, it was the idea of him and and um, another producer named Brendan Fitzgerald. Like, call your mom. And the reason that happened was because we when we made it on the web, I interviewed the uh, the president of Uruguay, which was the first country to fully legalize marijuana for mm-hmm. adults. So we went down there, we did like kind of a travel story and, you know, met some people and we were able to score an interview with the president. And so I smoked a joint like in his presence on his property. And he was like, yeah, totally go for it, buddy. <laughs> so I told my parents that are like, hey, journalism job's going so great, guys. I like interviewed the president of a country. Was she mic'd on her end? Who? My mom? Yeah. No, we just got it th- through the, the yeah. phone. It was on speakerphone. Uh, they, she didn't know I was going to call. So and, and in either case, so... I had to do that call to my parents the day before the Uruguay story came out because I didn't tell them I smoked weed on camera. So I had to break to them like, hey, I'm smoking pot on camera. And that it kind of devastated them. Like it took a while for us to kind of get through that. 
Yeah. And it was a little bit of a joke, but also kind of the the crucible of the show was like, can my mom be cool with me smoking weed? And that kind of kicked it all off. And that's the kind of relationship. And my dad to boot, like, as well. Yeah. Do you see legalization affecting, I don't know, like, how do you see it affecting families? And how do you see it affecting, not on an, maybe not on a systemic level, but you were talking about how it's really about how people interact with the plant themselves. Yeah. So how do you see widespread legalization affecting how dads behave with their kids? When you're like a little high, it can be easier to relate to your child's logic, emotions, and otherwise. My biggest problem with communicating with my kid is scaring him with anger, yeah. with like big adult things. And I think big like... Big feelings. Yeah. And so if I like get, if I yell or if I like do, you know, get a little tense because something is like bothering me or uh, something's wrong or he did something wrong, like that is the biggest barrier for our communication. So I, what I found is from time to time, it can help me sand off those like shitty reactions to little things. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get frustrated. He doesn't get frustrated. We start like we color. We have a great time. I think I, I do have this like underlying insecurity that something terrible is going to happen and I'm going to be too high to help them. Sure. But I'd probably be too inept to help them even if I wasn't high. So. Well, I mean, one way to help that out is potentially have your partner around Yes. also so that there's someone who's there who, uh, who is holding the ball of responsibility. Uh, the conch of... And then every once in a while, she could be the... You know, you could hold the ball of responsibility and she could... So, like, there's there's ways through that feeling. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would... I mean, I you know, I would say that I, I think there's something there. I don't know if it's, like, real or imagined insofar as you're stoned, so you're, like, I'm, like, having child brain, but... Yeah, like, you think you're relating to your kid <laughs> yeah. and your kid's like, okay, what are you dad. Talking yeah. about, dude? So we're going to talk to David Downs, who is the California editor for Leafly, which is, as you might guess, a uh, website covering all things cannabis. I think he has some pretty good thoughts about the future of weed. Hey, David. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. Hi, Krishna. Hello. So nice to be amongst another head. I'm very curious as dads how we all relate to cannabis. Um, and you guys know so much more than I do about the state of the industry, about where things are going. I only have my own outdated prejudices, really, mm-hmm. of how I grew up smoking weed and what it meant when I was 16 or 17, whenever I was doing it. We're all raising kids. David, you have two kids, right? Yes, I do. And how old are they? Ages five and two, man. I'm in the shit right now. Wow. <laughs> well... Krishna, yours is two and a half. Four. Two and a half plus <laughs> two. one and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so four and it's four. There's an implied one and a half. Yeah, yeah there's an implied one and a half. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are five and six. So we're all kind of <laughs> in the shit in some way. Yeah. But I would just be curious to hear from you, Krishna, and you, David, how, how do you integrate being a father and being a, I don't even know the word, I feel very lame here. What well, you could be a patient if you're a medical user. You could just be a, a adult use is sort of the uh, in vogue term for what we used to call recreational use. One of the first sort of episodes that we did for television with Weedikit, um, you know, had to do with children who are using 
massive amounts of THC to help treat and uh, help them with the side effects of cancer uh, medications and the cancer and to help treat the cancer itself. And the parents also smoked pot and some of them smoked like a lot of pot around their kids. And it does, it strikes you as a little strange. It's visually distasteful, yeah. perhaps. I'm interested to hear from you, David, also, like what your experiences are, because we're both kind of studying it from a journalistic standpoint, but we're also kind of living it, I, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, part of me feels like I'm in a bubble here in San Francisco, um, but I certainly did not grow up in the bubble of San Francisco, and there's plenty of people who see any association between cannabis and parenting as like a reason to repeal uh, legalization as a whole. They hold it to a different standard than they do uh, alcohol consumption, which is, you know, curious because inside the bubble, um, you know, you would never really ask somebody, how do they integrate, you know, alcohol into their lives or how do they integrate wine into their life? They would sort of snicker at you <laughs> because of... Um, it's just not something they think about with cannabis or some of these other substances. It's um, less less salient because it's so so happening sort of everywhere. You know, you think of the prototypical soccer practice after school or on a Friday evening in San Francisco, and like there's vape pens there. You know, um, cool. and um, there's people <laughs> talking. Ab they're talking about their you know cannabis stocks and exchange traded funds. There's a cannabis ETF now. Um, hmm. And that, and that speaks to, you know, a value system that makes other people's hair sort of stand on end and, you know, might reflect their own experiences or those of their loved ones with cannabis in, in really different contexts. And um, so it is really personal. And for me, um, when I abstract substance use around children, you know, some principles emerge that, you know, sort of supersede the particular substance, like you can't ever be incapacitated uh, as a parent. You always need to be able to um, administer first aid, um, be a vigilant caregiver to these young ones, and sometimes drive to the hospital as needed. And I think that's a standard that people who use alcohol or other substances or even don't sleep enough or do other stuff can fall short on. And so that's the sort of standard I set in my life is like, you gotta always be the on call, even if there's cannabis use in your life and, you know, um, another big one is obvious is like from a health perspective is you you don't expose really anyone to smoke without their permission, um, let alone people who can't uh, have a give consent, give consent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes around my kid. We don't smoke cannabis around them, um, you know, and we limit their exposure to all other types of smoke, which is really crazy this week because we've been indoors for seven days straight. I have a five and a two-year-old, you know, and we've been inside because of the smoke from the really? um, fires. What is that like? They, it you know, sounds they, like hell. It is hell. Um, they shut down um, public school tomorrow, so we're in the middle of, you know, getting childcare for that. Um, and it, you don't expose your kid to fine particulate matter from wildfire, and you probably shouldn't be exposing them to, you know, cannabis smoke in your home. Um, certainly is bad optics. And it really is a chance yeah. to interrogate a lot of exposures and think through like, well, why are we sitting around this campfire? We're moving away from wood-burning stoves as a society. Um, you know, and then it starts to get fuzzy because it comes down to values, right? And like, we think about this every day as a parent, um, how you're modeling and, um, you know, what you're showing your kids you want to do. And like, when I think about use of all substances now, I think about... Um, what that looks like in front of a kid. Certainly that's what experts are telling me to um, look at. And um, 
And so I discon, you know, discontinued sort of alcohol use in, in general in front of my kids. That's um, in any way sort of, what did the experts say? Like, you don't want to come home and be like, God, I had such a terrible day. I need a beer. Like, you don't want to be medicating you, you don't want alcohol. to use it as a... Yeah, you're you're modeling behaviors. And so if you want to turn alcohol into a crutch, that's a good way to like tell your kid it's kind of okay. You know, like I, but I think that also just to jump in a little, like, you know, I drink cocktails around my kid. I yeah, feel like in a I healthy know. way. Right. <laughs> yeah. maybe now I'm now listening, maybe not. But just the idea that if you want to, if you want to raise kids to also be able to use cannabis as adults in a responsible, you know, n- not in the shadows. And wouldn't it also make sense to use cannabis in front of them from an early age so they can mod- so you can model responsible use? This would be like the French model of drinking. I think that's like yeah. the initial woke reaction. But when you drill down a little bit into it, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I might be okay with my, my adult child doing, but I don't necessarily do in front of them because I'm not trying to you know, um, model that behavior for them. Like think of little things like profanity. Some people, people are all over the spectrum on how much they cuss in front of their kids. But the people who don't cuss in front of their kids, even if they cuss a lot in their life, don't want their kid to get in trouble in school, don't want them using that language around other kids, um, want them to know that there's a time and a place and it's certainly not around children and (laughs) as a child. Um, and again, that's like a personal thing. I I definitely come from a religious family where manners were important and language was important. And, you know, so we're all sort of modeling these things and it, it, being a parent causes you to interrogate your values and and your authenticity about living those values. And clearly we all fall short. Um, but I think we're trying to raise kids that are better than us. I don't know if that's something they're going to end up in therapy for, but, um, Yes. I think you do want them to um, be their best self, yep. and so you put your best self forward, and that might mean reducing their exposure. But I guess, exposure. like, just you know, just so you know, my middle initial is woke. Um, <laughs> We're gonna name this podcast two initial woke, woke dads. <laughs> No, it's three woke dads. Well, yeah. maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit because I think there is, uh, you and I have both titrated our usage as general stoners and dads to a point where we've already found the homeostasis that's going to carry us forward to being the best dads possible. I think partly what in this moment of acculturation of cannabis into like normal lifestyles is like, what, you know, what is the limit for you? What's the limit for you, Max? What's the limit for me, Max? Like, I know that I should only have like a couple glasses of wine, you know, at dinner or a beer at the barbecue. Because if there's two, then I'm like a little loopy when I, if I want to drive home. Um, So I have my own sort of baseline. I think, I think that the issue for the, well, so, so for the, um, the more general population who isn't quite as like, Stonery. Conversant. Yeah, who just doesn't smoke as much pot as we do. You know, like there's there's a different, there's a, a, a bigger barrier to entry in to get to the point that we're at. Well, I mean, can we also just, uh, can I just break in and I sound, I feel like a prude and I feel like definitely like the old fashioned one in this conversation, but um, like it's still illegal in a lot yeah. of places. Yeah. And to me, that is a huge. I, I, it's a hard. There's you know, many in things the that eyes are of child protective services and some child protective services in some counties in America. You might as well be doing heroin in front of your kid because they go by the federal scheduling and they say it's Schedule One next to heroin and PCP. We're going to hold on to your kids for a couple nights and yada yada yada. I mean, 
That's a reality. Hopefully, like, I today. won't. Hopefully, I won't have child protective services called on me. You know, in the near future. But it's like, even even absent that, even the idea that I'm doing something illegal. Yeah, there is that danger aspect of what if I get caught. But I also feel like caught up in the in the societal norms that this is an illegal thing I'm doing and I'm exp- and as a as a parent I feel and even as a person not being a parent I feel very hesitant and nervous about doing it. I mean obviously that's changing where we will be in 10 years which we can talk about in a second where we are now um and where we were 15 years ago. One of the impetuses for this whole conversation is because um a couple of weeks ago I went out to Las Vegas for the opening of a MedMen retail store. Cool. Um, and it was a crazy trip. They they flew us to Reno. We drove to their grow facility in Mustang. Then we got back on the plane. Then went back to Vegas. Then went to Vegas and you know went to their their Apple store. Mm-hmm. It looks like an Apple store, but it's got cannabis and like um, they. We were, can call it weed or pot. Well, yeah. Can someone tell me how to call so it? They, they tell me to call it cannabis. Dave, you might have a different. It's context-based, you know, it's, you can, I think it's really context-based on this show. It's definitely weed, probably not dope. Dope. I th- I th- I'm fine with dope. I'm fine with any and Grass. all words for it, because I think, like, it's, it is in and of itself not just one plant, you yeah. know? It's like, it has so many different flavors and, and like, ways of making you feel, and, like, it, so, to me, it is what it is to you, and, like, I've always liked weed, I've always liked pot. I feel a little, like, it's sort of like when... And and I, I might be wrong on this, and this is only my own opinion, and other people can other and other people's. Uh, 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 well, no, what I mean to say is like other re- like woke cannabis people can differ in this opinion. But when I say the word cannabis, I feel like I'm stretching a little bit, where I'm trying to make it. Um, I'm trying to make it legitimate yes. by way of using a, a, a scientific word. Well, that's what which, which is fine. And if that's what you if that you need to do that in legal sort of settings, and you need to do that in medical settings, but in yeah, sort of like. When language woke, is alive, woke and... bro dads. Like I think, you know, not none of us in this room are like, if you smoke pot, you're a loser and should go to jail. No, but I, but my well, so I, I call am, it pot. Kind of. pot we, call it some weed, of your listeners maybe. Call it, but gan, all I'm saying, I love ganja. It's fun, great word. But when I was out in Vegas, all of those people, all the med men, like PR and all the like the marketing people, they all call it cannabis, and they do it for a reason, right? And they don't call. And it was really funny. You go to the store, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's pretty beautiful. They have all their bud or whatever, which they call flower, which I actually like. I would. I'm on. You like flower. flower? I think that's beautiful. Then they have their um, joints, which they call pre rolls, mm-hmm. and you that's know, just like, short for pre rolled joint, right? But they have their whole <laughs> sort of um, argot. It's an argot, but mm-hmm. it's very sanitized. It's yeah. very like above board. They're so concerned with it being above board. And I had never experienced that before, ever, because I'd never been in mm-hmm. a legal state. So like, mm. for me to see this display, now they have their own, like it's called state-made. It's like boutique flavors, like yeah. Zen, which is some percentage of THC and some percentage of CBD. Like it's all- Yeah, man. And it, they're beautifully packaged. It's like uh, being at Bergdorf. They felt like walking into Bergdorf Goodman, and mm-hmm. it, you know, um, blew your mind. It did blow my mind. So it blew but your it, mind because we're living in a brave new weed world. But also, that's legal there. Like, it's not legal here. They have, yeah. you know, I like what's the well. I mean, it's just age it's to start medical- talking about critical criminology with your kid. I mean, you don't want to make them too much of a seditious revolutionary. But I think maybe by thirteen, you start talking about penumbral laws and you know 
laws right. and how you can how enforceable they are and the sort of real politic of criminal justice and discretion it's a, it's a big conversation it's definitely a learning topic a learning moment topic we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors I mean, for me, I felt, um, how did I feel? In Vegas, I felt, um, well, high, because they gave me a vape pen, which I used a lot for the first time in like 20 years. Yeah, we should talk about vape pens, actually, if I can just jump in, because I think that if we're, if the conversation here is like, how do we integrate weed into responsible dadhood that we love? The the answer is the vape pen. The answer is the vape pen, because like it is, uh, it doesn't smell a bunch. You can get different, you know, you have to source the the vape pen that you want, but like as an accessory, as something that has psychoactive, like, you know, psychoactively changes your, your brain chemistry for moments and doesn't, you know, put off huge stoner putting your kid in danger vibes, it's the weed pen. And mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, if at soccer practice, there's the, there's the weed pen, like, there's a weed pen in a lot of places. Yeah, and I want to pile on California. there and be like, the amount of modalities you're going to see is explode. Your entire framework of cannabis in terms of the raw cure, cured flower bud, you know, that's literally the lowest common denominator from the fields. It's going to be like any other agricultural product. I mean, there's little two and a half milligram THC mints sitting in my weed f- fridge right now. Um, and you have a weed fridge? Yeah, they gave me one to test called a curador. So like the wine appreciation. You know, you sort of, we look down at like the vocabulary of cannabis, but it's the same thing with wine. It's the same snobby sort of, uh, you know, vocabulary. I will say the overall feeling I got from Vegas was um, a little disconcerted. Hmm, why? Because MedMen is, like, I'm not an anti-corporate revolutionary However, <laughs> I remember wearing my like drug rug and playing hacky sack in high school. And I understand that's like an outdated version of what it means to be a stoner. But when I was in I high school and I was a stoner, <laughs> that's what I did. Right. And I bought shitty weed from this dude down the street in art class. And it was like a countercultural, <laughs> whatever, the suburbs of Philadelphia. But it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was like we were rebelling and I really liked it. And I liked the values of those kids listening to Medeski, Martin, and Wood. Which oh, nice. Really not that great. Wow. Oh, okay. Refined. Uh, but we were just like, listening to Bunk. Like, Bunk? Yeah. yeah. Terrible desert punk. But keep going. Okay. So. So I had that whole idea in my head of what weed culture was, weed dope culture. So then I go out to Vegas and their grow facility is beautiful. I mean, it's like state of the art, spotless, obviously, like it's, they use like the highest level of cleanliness for food product. And like the one guy who works there is from Driscoll's and the other guy who works there is from like the industrial flower market. And it's the highest quality and highest production uh, marijuana I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I've never been to a grow facility before. But then we go and we have this like uh, b- beautifully catered lunch and they're spending thousands of dollars on us as journalists right. to go out and see. I'm familiar with and the Mad Men cl- play. Yeah, and it's clearly a corporate... It's clearly a corporate corporation and they have a ton of money. There's a ton of money in the cannabis industry. And to me to see this thing which was a little bit outside of the standard economy be subsumed and sucked up into the vortex of yeah. late capitalism is a bummer. Yeah. You know? That's a real privileged position, you know. There's like 
a hundred thousand. First, I'm initially woke. Secondly, I'm privileged. I mean, I mean, there's like a hundred thousand Californians that did not get arrested for pot this year. Um, New York City arrests were down 97% off peaks, thanks to decriminalization efforts. Um, But yeah, I mean, late capitalism is a bitch, and it's here, and nothing's exempt. Not cannabis. Um, you know, and, but, but in your and, you know, mind, the cost Vegas, benefit analysis, hold on. I just got in, back from your Vegas mind too, the- and I got to go in five minutes. So I just want to get my thoughts in here. Cause I think about this, Yeah, lot, go. which is that like Vegas is Vegas and Vegas is going to do Vegas. It's a city that was built on a crime and, uh, and it's a thermodynamic, you know, abomination. It's, you know, when we're all gone, Vegas is going to be one of the reasons why they said why, um, and, but, you know, that's Vegas culture. People thought cannabis was going to change all these cultures, but all these cultures are just, um, you know, assimilating cannabis. And I've, in Vegas, I saw cannabis fully assimilated 24 hours a day, you know, packaged, you know, really precise sort of product for, you know, the human nervous system, you know, among a suite of products for the human nervous system in Vegas. And so, yeah, it's like very head spinning, but it's also very much of a time both the commercialization of it and, and the assimilation of it into more cultures than any stoner could imagine. Um, how, what are your personal feel Like, do you feel ruin regret or do you feel like that's a useless emotion because that's just the way the world is going? Do you feel nostalgic? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel regret and I don't feel hopeless. I think people are claiming their cannabis culture, there's just going to be more rooms in that mansion. And some of them are going to be really shitty rooms and you don't have to go in those rooms. And, you know, you can encourage other people not to. Um, I don't have an answer for the broader question of late capitalism, but I think, you know, certainly cannabis's value should interrogate late capitalism and we should be looking at, you know, how it can be more like cannabis or was. When are you going to talk to your kids about, I mean, they're young, but when are you going to kind of broach the subject with them especially because that's your job you know developmental people always tell you to like start the conversation young keep it broad you know let them ask the questions don't give them too much information Um, but you know always be keeping those lines of communication open certainly people who talk about drugs and talking to kids about drugs think of like Marsha Rosenbaum at drug Rosenbaum at Drug Policy Alliance I think of uh, Rick Steves, the travel writer, has a great sort of framework. He's like, it's not quantum physics, man. There's a bunch of shit we don't let kids use. You're not allowed to touch my chainsaws. Stay out of the liquor cabinet and stay out of my weed. Like, we'll cross that bridge down the line. And I think uh, that's a good place to start. But I'm asking you, like, personally. Yeah, so um, access control and then classification as an adult thing if you see it. Don't touch it. Get an adult. You know, we can have further conversations about this down the line. And that's really all like a five-year-old needs to know. There's a lot of things in the house Mm. that he's not allowed to touch. The garden shears, uh, electrical outlets, you know? Yeah, but but, but they ask why. Like anytime I forbid anything, there is a, a inevitable why that comes right after it forbid is the wrong word but anytime there's a rule there's like wait wait, why especially if it's a new rule right so that's that's kind of like where the the wise with all kids like we're five whys from existence basically (laughs) so like yeah uh yeah i just i default so yeah why like what what are the whys that you give i guess is the the question like for right now for a four a five and a two-year-old what's still working is that like this is adult stuff there's a lot of adult stuff it's it's a, for adults. That's all you need to know, 
And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to maintain that policy until they're an adult. I don't want them using cannabis underage, even if they live in San Francisco and go to public school, like the, the yeah. you know, the, I don't want them drinking alcohol. No, that's underage. actually something to, to highlight specifically is that like, uh, from ages 16 to 25 specifically, right. Heavy cannabis use, which is to say, uh, multiple times a week is is shown has been shown for for decades to be quite detrimental to cognitive development. It's, um, it's yeah light cannabis use, which is like one once t- once a month or you know something like that. Not so bad. So it's really just like you know you want your kids who are teenagers who are like in the 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 throes of countercultural rebellion and just like the fun of being a kid and smoking pot to understand that yeah it's cool to smoke pot every once in a while, but just don't do it all the time. Right. Just like drinking. Frankly, I feel like it's the middle way. You're not you're you're not precluding it with such a heavy hand that mm-hmm. they're so inter- that they can't even have the conversation. It's what you were saying, David, about keeping the lines of communication open. I do think disproportionality with regard to like, you know, punishing kids for some of these behaviors can really discredit you as a parent. Um, I think there's. Were you punished heavily for a cannabis? Oh yeah, use? I think like my mom threatened to put me in Christian school, and when you're like. 13 or 14 or 15, you know, switching schools and going to like a parochial school seems like the end of the world. My parents would threaten that we'd move back to India. <laughs> nice. Oh my God. Yeah. Which would have been fucking, but they would have hated that more than I would have. But what's so funny is that when I was in high school and I smoked weed and I went back home and I was like, I, I used to walk in at night and be like, mom, I'm high. Uh-huh. And she'd be like, fucking white people. Yeah. She's just like, go to, <laughs> is that true? She's just like, yeah, cool. Go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I've been high in my life too. Yeah. Congratulations. No, but that's nice. You were able to be super honest. I think that's that's awesome. I was trying to get a rise out of her. She wouldn't mm. give me a rise. But of the three of us, I'm the one who's like, no, no pot. Yeah. Bad yeah. pot. And you guys are all like, it's fine. Yeah, I think I'm hoping my kids rebel and become like a, a nice, you know, actuary and some type of public bonds <laughs> analyst. You know, they're like, I saw dad, he was a writer about weed. Yeah, it looked, yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. You know, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, David, thank you for joining us. Uh, stay safe, as safe as you can. Th- yeah, Thanks, th- man. Th- it was great talking. I, yeah, it was great to catch, uh, catch, you know, catch you, Krishna, and nice to meet you, Josh, and uh, see you guys next time. Wait, Krishna. Yeah? Do you want to hear a word from our sponsors? Depends. Yeah, me too. I felt a little insulted by that conversation, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> I can feel insulted. I think he brought up some good points about my reactions, which I admit are like a little naive, but what? I still have some questions. Yeah. This is a really tough personal conversation. And I think it's it's easy to kind of put maxims and rules and like uh, big, bright lines between things, but we're talking about really difficult things to talk about. Which is like, and and the the consequences can be big and real. I think what we're talking, some of the discomfort, I think, is we're talking about how we relate to pleasure. Mm -hmm. Because for, you know, like, why is medicinal, medicinal marijuana, what is it, medical marijuana? Yeah, either. Like, why is medical marijuana okay, but recreational use is not like what's wrong with just getting high to get high and be and have a good time like when i came back from vegas i was um well so in vegas it's an adult use 
state, recreational state, right? New Correct. York is still medical. Yep. In New York, it's still cloaked in this medical language, whereas in Vegas, it's completely made into a commodity, just like a product. Like, here is zen, here is fun, here is, like, whatever else. I feel pretty conflicted about both aspects of it. I'm having an intense reaction because I can see the future of cannabis and it's big pharma. Mm -hmm. Like big pharma is going to buy these companies once they're once they're on the other side of fighting against legalization, they're going to cash in. What we thought about in in Weedicate was who what is the fight for the soul of the the plant? The issue to me is more about individuals relationships to it mm -hmm. than society's relationships to it because I think what's so interesting about pot unlike maybe alcohol maybe not is is that experiences with it vary greatly like the way that you react to it the way that I react to it max like we're it's all it's not as simple as like I had a couple beers like I you yeah. know I I danced so that's why I think the question of like the big societal stuff and about capitalism and where the the yeah. industry going, like, uh, you're right, these are huge open-ended questions. But I'm uh, the interest to me is like, well, what does it mean for your life? And what does yeah. it mean for, like, how you experience pleasure when you want to, how you experience fatherhood? Um, Krishna, well, thank you for talking about weed with me. Mm -hmm. I haven't had anyone to talk about it with. Krishna, this is our, uh, our last podcast together. I know. Well, am I ever going to see you again? Uh, nope. Oh, well, <laughs> All right. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think so. I think we've become friends. Or like, I I like hanging out with you and talking to you. So. I did. Uh, I introduced you as a friend earlier in one of these things. That's sweet. Yeah. So I feel like I have a new. friend. And we learned that we had a mutual friend, James. Yeah. Shout out to James. James at her back. Your kid's cool, Seamus. Um, <laughs> Krishna, it has been a wonderful time talking with you over the course of these episodes. I feel like you have brought. I don't know, a very deeply knowledgeable and curious perspective that I didn't have. And and uh, you've been a wonderful partner. And thank you. Thank you for having me and, and allowing me into your den of daddom. Daddom. You might want to go get high now. Mm -hmm. I think I actually am going to go get high at home. Sick. Um, thank you, Krishna Andavalu, for being my conversation uh, partner. Thank you to David Downs of Leafly for being for taking time out of his burning life to talk about uh, marijuana with us. Thank you to Max Savage Levinson for producing the podcast and Diko Shatorma for being our engineer. Andrew Berman is the executive producer. I'm Joshua David Stein. I'm the, I produced it and I'm the host. So like every episode, this episode of the Fatherly Podcast was born out of a deep-seated insecurity and ignorance on my part. This time about weed. But if you're listening and you have questions about being a dad, questions about the podcast, questions about just life give us a call on our hotline it's a, a 732 number krishna that's uh, central new jersey probably middlesex county could Pro be new brunswick 732-416-4571 that's 732-416-4571 and if you like what you heard subscribe to the fatherly podcast on iHeartRadio, or and review it kindly on itunes have a wonderful week.